Nelson. Yeah. Right. Good morning, Nigel. Um, Good morning. Yeah. What I was saying was, I'm not used to you without your your hat on, walking in the yeah. snow, chatting. Yeah, yeah. This this is really weird seeing you in your <coughs> I never, son's I never bedroom. Used to, I never used to wear a hat when I lived in England. <laughs> Basically, in the summertime, the sun's normally out, blue sky. The sun's often a little bit lower in the sky, so you need a cap on. Otherwise, you just get zapped. And then in the wintertime, obviously, you need a, a beanie on or something like that. If it's like it's been pretty cold here, actually, um, it's like minus six today, so you've got to wear something on your head. Yeah, definitely someone like me who's got no hair. You've at least got a good head of hair. So you've no, got no, some... honestly, you, you've got this is, yeah, you've got to. There's a guy who um, he's just moved to about an hour's drive away from where I am. He's a, he's a Brit and he's married to, I'm not sure where his, his girlfriend wife is from, but <clears throat> you need some local knowledge here, really, because if you, if you go about your business as though you're in England, you know, you're just going to get, you're just going to get wiped out here. Yeah. And that I mean, you're clothes. at, so you're out in Finland. Everybody should know that you're out in Finland, but you're originally from the yeah. UK. We're not going to go into why yeah. you left. I mean, that's a long story. Yeah. But listen, your oh, background... So we actually started. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, cool. <laughs> what I said when I said I'm, I'm pressing the record button. You're so funny. Okay. Anyway, listen, <laughs> tell me about your background. Because you've got, you got a background in Austrian economics. And your YouTube videos are very informative and entertaining. Because you just say it. You just have these okay, little thanks. wee monologues and you just let it out. Get it off your chest. Yeah. And, I, and I find them really entertaining. It's raw. It's thanks. honest. It's good, man. It's very good. Hmm. Yeah, well, my background is that I'm a, just an ordinary pleb from Rochdale who studied economics at university. And my interest in Austrian economics is just comes from my own reading because Austrian economics is, is certainly not taught as part of A-level economics, which is a minority subject anyway, and it's not really touched upon at undergraduate level. So to understand Austrian economics, you just have to do the reading yourself. <clears throat> so the reading really is Mises, Hayek, Rothbard, those, those three really, I would say. And just explain. So that's, that's basically what. Just explain to people like me, very simple people. And can you bring your mic closer to your mouth, by the way? Um, if you yeah. can just explain, like, how does Austrian economics differ from any other form of um, economics? And normally, if there are like two different, uh, if there's one standout, there's normally an alternative. And it, would that be Keynesian yeah. economics? I mean, so what are we what are we talking about? And, and so what are the main Keynesian? Yeah. Keynesian, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so Keynesian, yeah, so Keynesian economics is what everyone's taught. It's what everyone assumes economics is because they're not taught anything else. So Keynesian macroeconomics is like the study of the economy in aggregation. So what Keynesians believe in a nutshell is that the level of aggregate demand in the economy determines the level of economic activity, the level of output, the level of employment. Austrian economics uh, is a completely different uh, paradigm. What they would say is that 
the level of output and employment is determined by supply side factors in the economy, like the number of entrepreneurs that we have, incentives to work, um, the rate of uh, uh, technological advancement. So that's 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 part of it. I would say for me that's one of the most important things. But there are many other uh, aspects that we can talk about. Yeah, if you were to talk talk to me about stuff to do with uh, the ankle joints or something, I, I really wouldn't know much about. Yeah, I'll give an example. Right, we're talking about jargon, and um, I just stopped you for a second to center you in the in the video and fix your mic. Yeah. And I was saying, can you not use jargon? But you're right. You know, you just said ankle joint. You know, I could say in a medical term, yeah, the talocrural joint, and you'd be like, what? That's actually another name for the ankle joint. And I can actually talk to my patients. In total gobbledygook. And it makes complete sense to me. Yeah. And my patient's like, what? And they're not stupid. It's just mm -hmm. a different jargon. And what I find with a lot of experts and from any discipline like yourself yeah, yeah. is that you, you get used to speaking your jargon and you take for granted that everyone else understands yeah. what you're talking about. And like, so when you were saying, you know, Ke yeah, Keynesian yeah. is aggregate output, I was like, what? Aggregate of what? Let's do it again. <laughs> All right. So. Um, would we be okay to talk about the total number of people employed in a country? And the more people that are employed, the fewer people that would be unemployed. And generally speaking, most people would say it's a good thing when there are more people employed than there are fewer people unemployed. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. other thing that, that you would say is a goal in, in economics is um, maximizing the amount of stuff that people have to consume, be that ankle surgery operations or be that cars or be that house, houses with central heating. So economists, they have this, this um, I was going to say metric, but I'm not going to use the word metric, a measurement called GDP, which is it's the total value of all goods and services produced within the economy in a year. And uh, what Keynesians believe, Keynesian comes from the founder of Keynesian economics, John Maynard Keynes, 1930s. What, what they believe is this level of economic activity, it's, it's, it's only determined by one variable. And that variable is the total amount of spending in the economy. And what mm. they say is that if there's unemployment or there's, um, there's not enough being produced, there's some spare capacity in the economy, the economy is not producing as much as it could, then the solution to that is that the government or the central bank, they inject spending power into the economy. And that can be done in two ways. It can be run by done by the government injecting money, and they do that by spending more than they collect in tax, and that's called a fiscal deficit. The other way is the central bank cuts interest rates, so that discourages saving, and it encourages borrowing. So you can see how that would increase spending. And what they believe mm. is, the more spending you can chuck into the economy, the better things should, will be. 
And that's, that's the essence of Keynesianism. Mm, well, can I be honest with you? As a, as a lay yeah, person, on. I find that... This, that sounds, I, this I, sounds bloody boring. <laughs> no, 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 no. As a no. lay person, as a medic, I actually kind of thought that's what it meant already. And it never made okay. sense to me. It never made sense to me. Like, okay. I never really got GDP because it's like, oh, how much is yeah. actually turning over? It doesn't look at efficiency. It doesn't look at productivity. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the quality mm-hmm. of that work. It's just like, oh, we've got 100 people working. And it's like, great. Well, maybe you could do that work well, by one person. A... Sorry. Yeah, it doesn't also consider what is actually being produced yes. and whether it is of value to, to the general population. But there's loads of things just... wrong with Keynesianism. I was just about to say that. I was going to say like that analogy of 100 people working. I was like, imagine you got, you got 100 people digging a hole. Like, oh, they're all working. Yeah. They're digging a hole. And it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, but we don't, we don't need that hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, yeah. Or, or producing revolutionary, never tried before, messenger RNA injections. <laughs> you can maximize G- and then And then GDP will be boosted again with, with all the remedial health care that's needed to fix the damage. Exactly. GDP will go up. Exactly. Or you get mass migration and you have a lot of people coming into the country and you boost GDP because there's more people buying and selling. Mm-hmm. But it, it, to me, mm-hmm. it's such a crude measurement, the whole GDP business. It's like mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. And it's just like, oh, we need the GDP to go up every year by 2.5%. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, but- we've got a really bad economy. And it's like, <clears throat> why, are we even, why are we even looking at it like that? It's such a simple, simplistic, flawed way. But then I thought, but I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm just a stupid, yeah. I was just, I was like, I'm just a stupid doctor. No, surely the clever people have. You're not stupid. Yeah, just people who've done the reading and have studied it, but or are interested enough to do the reading. Um, But what I would say is that there are there are far more important things to talk about with regard to Keynesian economics that's wrong about it. So I can do that if you want. Just a very quick one. So one yeah, problem, yeah. for example, is so you, you'll you'll see this around you. So if you took more spending power into the British economy, maybe you increase welfare benefits, maybe you cut taxes, maybe you cut interest rates. What will people do? They'll go to B and Q. They'll go to various shops in the UK that sell mostly imports. I remember going to Tesco once about 10, 15 years ago, <laughs> trying to buy a toaster. And I would like to have bought one that was made in Europe. You know, I knew there wasn't the one made in Britain, but every single one was made in China. So I don't really like authoritarian uh, regimes. So I was trying to avoid that if possible. But the, the, the point that I'm trying to make, in it, make is if you chuck more spending power into the economy, and all it does is suck in more imports, then the only jobs that you're going to create are jobs abroad in, in a mm. country that's, in the case of China, probably doesn't have our best interests at heart. So that, that, you know, that's, that's one problem. The other problem is, and we're going to go like super basic here, mm-hmm. is that an economy does two things, or it should do two things. There's production, 
and there's consumption. So an econ- a functioning economy should produce things of value and there should be people purchasing those things. That's, that's what I would say. Mm. And what, what we've had over the last quarter of a century is a situation where the UK is consuming, but there's no production. So it's a weird type of economic activity. It's just, I used to say this to the students. It's real economic activity is like, you know, supply and demand. And what we yeah. have in Britain is the sound of one-handed clapping. All yeah. demand, no supply, because we import most of the stuff that we consume. So Austrian e- uh, economics recognizes that. It recognizes that actually, if you just chuck more demand into the economy, it's likely to just suck in imports. And also, if you're consuming without producing, where are you getting the money from? And the answer is debt. You know, on an mm. individual level, if you consume more than you're producing, more than you're earning, it implies that you're either selling off assets, things mm-hmm. of value that you own. So you can see this again in Britain, a number of famous British companies, even Premier League football clubs, they're all foreign-owned. Mm. And we've had to do that because we've been living beyond our means for way too long. We've been consuming way more than we've been producing. So sell-off assets take on debt. And that's 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 the story, really. Do you want me to you know talk what? a bit more some other aspects of Austrian economics? Yeah, or do you just want to before come you back on anything I've just said. Yeah, no, just just coming back on what you said. I mean, am I right in thinking Austrian economics predates this Keynesian economics? And it sounds like it's based oh. on sound fiscal prop po- po- um, policies, and actually. The, the way the Keynesian economics fits in, I almost think it, it justifies the central bankers. It just, it's all about printing more oh, money and, and indebting, indebting nations and individuals. It seems like they've done it backwards, right? They've said, how can we get countries in debt? How can we get people in debt? Hey, let's use this <laughs> economic principle. Yeah. <laughs> Armin, That's it's, what I'm thinking. I think it's quite simple. It's, a, it's like a fig leaf for you know, support for big government. Keynesianism yes. is big government. The market doesn't work properly. So what we need instead is is, is big government. The government yeah. making the three big questions, answering the three big questions in economics, which is like what to produce. Like more and more now we're moving towards the big government model where the state decides what we will and what we won't be producing using our scarce resources to produce methods of production you know austrian economists say that the free market should be deciding those decisions um and then for whom which people in society are going to get a chance to consume which are in a free market that's all based on the extent to which you've served your fellow man so if you've produced a lot of things of value that other people have uh, voluntarily, their own free will, chosen to mm. buy, and that's how mm. you, that's how you earn money. And the more money you earn, the more you can buy goods and services in the economy. Which basically means, if you cut to the chase, there it means service, like to consume a share of other 
somebody else's output. You need to produce something of value in return, and that exchange is voluntary. Whereas what we have today is, well, you know, you know yourself, I know, it's compulsion, isn't it? When the state wants you to interact with it, it's not done on a voluntary basis. I used to say to the students, you know, this was that um, before I left, uh, I was paying like over £2,000 a year in council tax to the Waverley, near Guildford. all I could see them doing was they had some refuse collection, which didn't really, it was every two weeks, and they'd leave half the rubbish on the driveway. And I couldn't, sometimes they would repair some roads sometimes, but then there'd be potholes. So look, from my point of view, my £2,000 was worth more to me than the services that Waverley Council supplied to me. So mm. if it had been up to me, I would have withdrawn from that exchange. I'd have said to them, look, I'm really sorry. Please don't take offense. Mm. But I believe I can spend this £2,000 myself better than you can on my behalf. So I'm going to withdraw from this exchange. What would happen if that if, if I tried to do that? The bailiff would come round. Come on, Armin. The government, yeah, the police, exa- whatever. Okay. So, t- okay. So... What would happen next? Suppose I just carried on refusing to pay. What are they going to do to me? They're, I mean, I don't know. Suppose Bailers I come refuse around. to leave my house. So, and suppose I refuse to leave my house. I don't know. What are they going to do to me? Nothing. Nope, they're not going to do nothing to me. Eventually, really? what are they going to do to me? Lock you up. Take Some you to jail. dressed in black with big sticks and tasers is going to use violence against me. Yes. And they're going to take me away, lock me up somewhere against my will. Put your yeah, children and into childcare. Until, until I pay. Yeah. So that all exchange between individuals <clears throat> and the state is coerced. It's not based on free will. If you, don't, if, if you feel exploited by the state, you can't withdraw from that exchange. Because the state has a monopoly on legalized violence. Yes. On the other hand, if you take the free market, I used to do an example with with, with, with some students. The lower, I managed to wangle doing some economic awareness. It was like one lesson. It was like six lessons a year, basically. So it wasn't much. But one of the things that I used to try to teach them was this point about free will. Um, that in the private sector, exchange is voluntary, and therefore, mm. for it to take place, both sides must benefit. Because if one side stopped benefiting, they would withdraw from the exchange. So I'll give you an example. My son used to work for in a fish and chip shop, and mm. um, he wasn't paid. He wasn't paid that much, and I'm sure and I can't remember exactly whether this was a student or a member of staff. But the old uh, exploited word popped up. Oh, he's being exploited. How do you work that out? Mm. No one's forcing him to go there. Mm. Like the shop, the fish and chip shop is happy hiring him because from their point of view, his labor is worth more to them than the wages that they're paying to him. 
And then obviously vice versa. My son carried on working for them until we left to come to Finland because from his perspective, the wages that they were paying to him was worth more to him than the time that he was spending in the fish and chip shop. So yeah. rather than any exploitation going on, actually both sides were benefiting from the exchange. Win win. This is another crucial point. This is enough exactly win win. And this is another crucial aspect of Austrian economics is that exchange in the free market, forgive me here, right, will always add to economic welfare. What I mean by that, it will always add to society's well-being. Because if it didn't, and one party felt exploited, they would withdraw from the exchange. Give you me. one more example that I used to do <clears throat> with the students. I used, to, yeah. I used to go to the, the garage near the school and I used to buy a big block of Aero Mint chocolate. And it used to cost me a pound. I bet it doesn't cost a pound now. But, uh, and this was only, as I say, like four or five years ago. So I used to uh, I'd pay with a five pound note, so I made sure I got a pound change. So I would go back, I'd start talking, to, and then I would ask for two volunteers. I'd say, is there anybody in this room who doesn't like chocolate? And of course, it'd always be an odd one, you know, like somebody sporty or wanting to do a bit of virtue signaling about, you know, how healthy they were and stuff. Oh, I don't eat chocolate. <laughs> so I'd say, oh, come to the front now. And then I said, is there anyone in the room that likes chocolate? And some do. Of course, there'd be loads of girls. Would so I'd pick one. So <clears throat> I would give the pound to the person that let me get this right now to the person that liked chocolate and would give the chocolate bar to the person um, that um, didn't like chocolate. And what I would say mm. to the girls is, right, what can you do that will improve? Again, I probably might have said welfare. What, what, what could you do that would make both of you happier? And of course, they would just swap things over. So this is what I'm trying to get at is extra. Another tenet of Austrian economics is like what they call subjective value. So when something's subjective, it's a matter of opinion. And differences in subjective value is, is what drives exchange between people. Mm. And, and, you know, obviously you need spe specialization, like you specialized at being an an foot and ankle surgeon. Used to. <laughs> I Used specialized to. at being a teacher and a writer. Until, again, I'm not going to swear, um, big government basically uh, stomped its jackboot over both of us. In mm. a free market, we would be still doing what we love, mm. and people would still be exercising their free will to uh, choose to buy our services or not. And what we're moving to is a system of tyranny. 100%. Right. I know you don't like monologues, so come back at me with some questions. <laughs> no, that was that was great. That was really, really good. I mean, the thing is, some of some of my listeners might have been thinking, what have I got a guy like you talking about economics on my show? But like I keep because telling, it's, telling it's everybody. Important. Yeah. It's, it's important, important, right? Like, this Everything's is, linked. This is what's gone wrong. This is what's gone wrong. There's way too many people who support immorality. 
And that immorality is kind of entrenched in the big mm. government model. So another classic one, and I, you know, um, I'm still teaching now, even now, you know, I'm doing my YouTube. I'm still teaching people about economics. So I get people like saying, oh, Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum, it's all really bad. And basically what we need, the solution is socialism or the, the solution is a, just a new group of politicians who are going to operate the big government model more effectively. Like they're not going to exploit us. Oh, you know, God. these people, they're mad. They, yeah. they, it's like asking a lion not to eat a wildebeest. It's just in, it's the type of person that's attracted into politics is the type of person that you'd least want. hundred percent. Right. So basically I've, I've got a few well, things just, to say. A few things. Hold yeah, it, go, hold go. it. So basically Ed yep. Griffin said exactly what you just said there. He goes, never trust a politician. Okay. They're the ultimate con men. Yeah. They're, they're there because they yeah. can con on the biggest scale possible. They're just criminals. <laughs> it's legalized yeah. criminality. Well, well, I'll, 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 I'll paraphrase you. So Mises, great Mises quote I used to have up on my classroom wall. I had loads of great quotes up. And I know that as soon as I like basically left, they were all like ripped down by somebody, you know, some <laughs> some woke blue-haired anyway, person. Mises, Mises quote: it, go, it goes, it goes like this: those are, those who are unfit to serve their fellow citizens serve as in the free market. You know, you choose whether you want to buy their product. Those who are unfit to serve their fellow citizens mm. seek to rule over them. So what it's basically saying is the type of person that's attracted into politics is lazy, no entrepreneurial energy, incapable of producing things of value that other people might of their own free will want to buy. And they seek to uh, earn, in, a, in the loosest term, an income through looting by using the power of the state. And, you know, Keir Starmer, Tony yeah. Blair, Boris yeah. Johnson, these people are all looters. Yeah. And this is you why know, the big government model... Uh, go on, sorry. I was saying, you know what's worse than a monologue? Having a guest who isn't very good at talking or, or isn't very articulate, and I have to tease everything out of them. Yeah. So you're doing great, my friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these are gems. Okay. Well done. You're doing really well. Keep on. But I need to keep say something because I'm going to forget otherwise. You know, I used to think of that Keynesian model with labor and socialist policies. Yeah. And I thought, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Conservative Party was more free market, etc. But mm -hmm. looking back, mm -hmm. I realized it's all BS. You know, if no. you look at, for example, yeah, was, COVID yeah. and all the quantitative easing yeah. that happened before that, 2008 financial crisis yeah. and quantitative easing and then COVID and furlough and all. I mean, conservatives were like really pumping out the cash, pumping out the debt. Free market went out the freaking window. And it's like, I've just thought. Well, that's when I left. That's, that was, <laughs> you know, I could just see it. You, you could just see this move towards outright authoritarianism in, in the UK. And, yeah, and this, also. I, I think up until then. Economic it was this, insanity. Yeah. I think up until that. There was this pretense 
there was this pretense that, you know what, the, the conservatives are all about, you know, fiscal prudence and being careful and, you know, but it, it, it was right. never let there. Just, it was just, it was an illusion. Just a question, right? It was an illusion. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> let me ask you, exactly. So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. During so-called austerity under George Osborne and yeah. Dave Cameron, <laughs> guess what happened to government spending? The money supply increased, the debt went up, and they pumped. It, government, in- government, government spending increased massively. <laughs> guess what happened to the national debt? It the total prob- amount of debt that the government owes to its creditors. Probably more than dub- doubled. I was going to say doubled, yeah. More than doubled. Mate, I, I'm telling you, so, look, look, look. They I, used I'm to say sure to which, us, they, I'm they, not sure which. They used to say, "There's no money to pay the doctors. There's no money to pay for the NHS. There's no money for this. There's no money for that." And then I was like, "But you've mm-hmm. got money. Do you, you there, you've got these money trees for everything else. You've got money trees for HS2. You got money yeah. trees for furlough. You got money trees for testing and trace and track war. or whatever. It was a, a war. war. You got money for the war and the bombing. I was like, "Come on, who are you kidding?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and, and these people, you have, there's loads of them. They think the government is moral. It's like, well, we've, we've got problems. Or the you righteous know, the, wars. You me, me and you, me and you who believe in free markets and voluntary exchange, yeah. we're bad people. We're yeah. immoral. Whereas if you believe in the big government model and uh, compelled exchange, you're a good person. There's an inversion there, isn't there? Big time, big time. Mm-hmm. And the re- and you know some just, people just might talk. not Go on. some people might not see the direct correlation between health. At the end of the day, you know when a government is in this coercive, one-sided relationship, and they start telling you you can't work unless you get this vaccine, medical experimental toxic shot, or you can't send yeah. your kids yeah. to school. Or you can't do this. If that's not impacting your health, yeah. what is? If when you're told you can you can't leave your house and your mental health suffers, if that's not impacting your health. At the end of the day, economic policy drives, you know, the political class and and that affects yeah. everything. Your culture, your economy, your society, your education, yeah. your health, everything. It's massive. Yeah. Well I've got okay, one one thing. When it all happened, I couldn't believe what was going on. Not particularly that the, the politicians were trying it on. What mm. I couldn't believe was that so many people who'd given me long lectures about how evil the National Socialist German <laughs> Workers' Party were, were fully on board with this stuff. Right. All the, all the human rights abuses that were happening in the UK, like the, like the rule of six and the state telling its own people, but they couldn't go and see their own mothers. And people just accepted it. And some people were really enthusiastic supporters of the authoritarianism. And Mm. for me, that's, that's what I, I still wake up. And I know most, many people have probably said this on your podcast, but it's like a bad dream. It's like, did that really happen? And it did. So, you know, that was one of the main reasons why I moved to Finland or took the whole family over to Finland is that it wasn't as bad here. And I just couldn't stand to be around people who went along with things that they should never 
have gone along with. Amen. You know what's really funny though, Nigel? The funny thing is there's, I know so many people who are like, it's all these goddamn bastard Tories, the conservatives, you know what? If we need to get labor in and labor will fix it, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. oh, we hate the government. Let's talk we, about we, that. We hate, I know we hate Tories. We Let's hate Boris. And then they go, but you know what? But they'll still follow the government policies. So on one side, they're bad-mouthing yep. the Tories and Boris. And mm-hmm. by the way, let me make it clear. I hate them all. I hate them all. When I'm having a yeah. go at the, at the Labour... There's no don't, difference don't... between them, is there? Yeah, you know, exactly. We, we know that. There's People no think, though, I'm, I'm a conservative. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm politically homeless. You know, I'm politically homeless. They're all scum. You're a supporter of human rights. You're a supporter of human rights. Yeah. And, and morality. Yeah. That's, that's what you are. You're an opponent of uh, tyranny. Yes. You, you value your freedom and you're frustrated by other people who, who seem not to value their own freedom. No. Who seem to be willing to sell it down the river for their um, NHS salaries or help out to eat out or yeah. an opportunity to drink wine in their back garden on furlough. Me. Whilst teenagers were committing suicide because. And these people have the nerve to virtue signal. Mate, so, you just nailed it. I forgive these people. I am, I am a Christian, and I, I do forgive these people. But what I worry about is that I think some of them have learnt, but but many of them they're hardwired into liking authoritarianism. They they like the big government model, and I can talk about why they like it if you want, or yeah, you know, but- ask a few more questions before. Hundred percent, and I, I just want to say you're 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 you nailed it. There, there's a lot of people who were grateful to the government for the lockdowns and for the draconian measures, and it was like, and they were like, please, please do it more. Um, I don't know. I was trying to find the yep. picture and I couldn't find it, but Bob Moran is this amazing cartoonist, and he's done this picture yeah, yeah. of um the government, and you can see the behind this man in a black suit. He's got government. He's holding an umbrella, and um, and uh, he's got his trousers down, and he's pissing on this man who's prostrating yep. in front of yep. him with a mask and um and he's 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 pissing on top of him and and the guy's like thank you mm-hmm. <laughs> like thank you mm-hmm. thank you it's raining thank you yeah and it's like how do we get to this point where people just prostrate in front of authority evil authority and are grateful for it and and you and i well, are the I bad think- ones yeah, I, I think that one of the main reasons is that they believe that it's in their self-interest to bow down to authority. So an obvious example would be NHS doctors and nurses who've gone along with something that, you know, regardless of the lethality of the messenger RNA injections, mm. regardless of that, they went along with coercion. They yeah. were they were injecting people who were because they are wanting to go on holiday. They had to go, or they had to take a flight for work reasons, or they were a care home worker, or they they were like an eighteen year old who wanted to go to a music festival. They were being that is coercion, and I, I've done um, YouTube videos on this. Check out Nigel Watson YouTube. I've done YouTube videos on this, like of, 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 of just telling people what happened, reminding them of what happened, because 
that should never be forgotten. So I think there was there were there were plenty of people that went along with it, not just the NHS doctors and nurses. They all must have known what was going on. I would say by the summer of 2020, they must have known that there was no pandemic. Yeah, yeah. It's inconceivable. Um, people, the, the hospital uh, doctors and nurses, they would have known that the hospitals were pretty much empty. I remember seeing hospital, uh, you know, doctors and nurses and teachers. Like, I used to live near a golf course. The golf course was rammed yeah. during lockdowns. Um, so, 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 Nigel, I wasn't I think, working. I think I, people, people I, went along with it because it suited them. And I think I, the other I, thing that I would say, just one, one second. Go on. No, I was just going to say, so I have, lots, just, I, just, I've, I have lots of colleagues who are doctors. And I can tell you right now, I yeah. was not working in a hospital because I'm full-time private. And my colleagues were still yeah. working in the NHS. And I was ringing, and, like, and I was stuck in my garden. I couldn't leave, couldn't do anything. And I was like, what is it like? And but. And um, they were all laughing. They were like, this is great. We're getting paid to be at home, yeah. lighting up the barbecue. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, don't you feel bad, yeah. though, that your patients aren't getting treated and the waiting lists are going up? And, and they were just like, nah, this is great. And it was just the moral yeah. compass wasn't there. I was like, how the hell can you f- no, act they like, like the this? No, they like the free stuff. They like the free stuff. They like the free stuff. They and, like and, the furlough. They and like and um, and I can tell right now, easy. Yeah, all of the them. Hours. Exactly. All of them were saying the same thing. Hospitals are quiet. Hospitals are dead. You know, nothing's happening. And I was like, then where the hell is this pandemic? And the problem is, I'm not going to name names, but I just did a podcast with someone and I asked him, was there a pandemic? And he went, yeah. And he's like, yeah, because of who yeah, called it? The who called it? And I was like, stop. Yeah. I mean, they're using techni- technicalities and old definitions and you know, yeah. and I know two there was plus, nothing. Two plus two equals five. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, the who, the who said it was, so it must be the case. Really? Yeah. Is that yeah, what we've come down yeah. to? Yeah. Anyway, you were going to say something. But, yeah, okay. So what I would say is, again, this is tapping into the big government model. People have got used to the idea that it's perfectly moral to live off other people's money. So I'll get this on my channel. They'll say, oh, the solution to all of our problems is that we just need to tax the rich more. So you then say to them, well, who are the rich? Like, who are, who are these people? Like, how do you get rich? You know, there's basically two options. You get rich as an employee by working your butt off, doing a great job for your boss. If you don't do a great job for your boss, they'll fire you because the cost of your wages to them will be greater than the, the, the income that you're generating for your boss so they'll make a decision to get rid of you so the way to get on as an employee is work hard make yourself valuable to the employer again it's all about service yeah if you serve other people effectively in the free market you're rewarded for it Mm. then the other way of i guess is as as an entrepreneur which is essentially kind of a bit of a speculative activity in that you take your life savings, you you get a loan from the bank maybe secured against your property and you set up a business and you hope that your business will produce things that consumers will like in sufficient quantities for you to make a profit. But there's no guarantee mm. that that will happen. It could be that 
you know, what you thought was a gap in the market wasn't, or people weren't prepared to pay a high enough price for you to turn a profit. So, you know, again, a lot of a, a lot of people have been propagandized by school, university, telebox into thinking that profit is bad. Profit isn't bad. Profit is a sign that you've been serving your fellow man effectively because people of their own free will have chosen to buy your product because they see it as being a good value for money. You know, and if you try to overcharge, then people will go somewhere else and your business will go bust. Now, again, this is the crucial thing is that we, we don't have a free market economy. Yes. The last time we had something like that in Britain, I would say, kind of was the 150 years leading up to 1914. And I think that's when, you know, we've been on this road to serfdom, you know, the technocracy, growing government control over the economy and over our lives. So I think a lot of people, I think, oh, um, just because I can breathe in and out, Mm. I'm entitled to consuming stuff that's been produced by other people, by these like rich people. And it's sort of social justice for the government to take from one group of people and give it to me. So, of course, they like the big government model because they think that they're on the right side of it. My life's going to improve if I elect these people into power because they'll use the boys in black and the big sticks, ultimately, violence or the threat of violence, to enforce their will and confiscate from one group to redistribute to another. So another Mises, uh, no, it's Hayek, I think, it's Hayek quote is, um, you know, what governments try to do is that they, they, they treat their own citizens unequally in order to make them equal. <laughs> which is basically no different from what the National Socialist German Workers' Party do. You know, they, they pursued their own version of social justice. You know, they said there's this particular group who are really rich and they're the source of all your problems. And all you have to do is to vote us into power and then uh, we'll use the power of the state to basically nick their stuff and give it to you. Mm. And I think that that's why there's still <clears throat> many people who are supportive of this big government model. They're effectively supporting theft and coercion and violence or the threat of it. And it's immoral. I've never, ever thought of it like that. Absolutely fascinating. And you're on the money. Pardon the pun. Mate, you've nailed it. You've nailed it. I, I, can I just add something to that? Thanks. <laughs> these, are, these are not my ideas. These are Hayek's... I, um, I know. Ludwig von Mises. No, I, I, I get that. I get that. But you've and got the funny, to do the reading. You know when uh, you're saying... all of these books, you know, you've got... Yeah, go on. Sorry. Shut up. Shut up. Just, Nigel, stop. One second. Conversation. I like conversations. A mutual exchange of ideas. Please. So, my friend, what I was going to say was, um, the idea of getting rich the way you described it, it only works in a free market. I see a lot of people getting rich in the current system that we have through mm -hmm. corruption, mm -hmm. through, um, through contracts with the government. So, for example, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people say to me, oh, the NHS is, you know, we need to fund it. There's not enough money. These poor doctors and nurses haven't got money. 
Man, I can tell you right now, this is, it's, it's a wash with money. It is the biggest gravy train yeah. ever. And the contracts go to people with funny yeah. handshakes. You know the funny handshakes? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's the same people yeah, yeah. who get the contracts. I'll give you an example. I, 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 at my daughter's birthday party, there's a guy who works in um, um, engineering and electrical kind of distribution. He, he does contracts with the NHS. And I was talking to him about it. He goes, oh, man, the corruption is crazy. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, this hospital um, chief executive said to me, oh, you know what? We've got 1.8 million that we've not spent in our budget. Um, I want you to build some of these power distribution things. And he goes, but you don't need it. He goes, it doesn't matter. We need to spend it. And I want you to just draw up now. And he goes, but you need to tell me where you want it, what you want. He goes, look, 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 you're the private company. Just draft a proposal and then we'll pretend it's our proposal and um and then we'll 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 pay the money. And the he yep. he went, I can't do that. You're asking me to write your own proposal? I mean, that's my name going on that. That's ridiculous. And he goes, It's not even worth one point yep. eight million. He goes, You we we'll be spending too much, we'll be charging you too much. He goes, Listen, yep. I've spoken to your boss already. He goes, you've spoken to my boss already. He goes, yeah, if you've got a problem, speak to him. So then he went back to his director and his director went, yeah, I had a chat with, you know, whoever, blah, blah, and the chief executive. Mate, just drop the proposal and, um, yeah, we'll take the 1.8 million. He went, but this is all wrong. This is all illegal. He goes, just do it. And he couldn't. So he resigned from his post. Certainly immoral. And it's immoral. And he, yeah, and he goes, yeah. well, the way it works is he, they're all bestie buddies. They're all part of that same club. I'm not going to mention which yeah. one, the funny handshake one. And they're all yeah, just yeah. greasing each other's pockets and lining it. And um, that's how it works. You know, good people like you and me going yeah, to... Yeah, so you've got, you've got, you've got, you've got an organisation that's nominally, nominally <laughs> private, but it's, it's, not, it's not really. It's, it's what Mussolini called the Union of States with corporate power. So, you know, he was a guy who knew about fascism, and that's how he defined fascism. That's, yeah. that's yeah. There's, there's definite elements of um, fascist technocracy. Um, in that's the it. Yeah, fascist. And so what I was going to say was now what we've got is these governments that are actually agents of the corporations, but they give lip service. Yeah. So they go on their mic and they say to the public, like Labour, will go, "We will yeah, yeah. tax the rich and take the money from the rich and distribute." And all the all the plebs go, oh, thank you, great, theft. We love theft. Love and a bit the of theft. all the developers go like this. Yeah, love a bit of theft. And then when they do get yeah. into power, Labour go, suckers. Um, we just carry on doing the same, same that Conservatives did. And then the Conservatives yeah, yeah. say the same. And, yeah, yeah. and every election cycle, the public get fooled. The public fall for the crap and yeah. don't realise yeah. that the politicians so, aren't like, serving like, us, they're serving the corporations. So, so, so two things on that. I did a, a video about Rochdale Council, and since I did it, something else has happened there. So Rochdale Council is a classic example of it. They do loads and loads of schemes. I don't know, like infrastructure-type schemes. Yeah. And from my subjective uh, point of view, they turn Rochdale into a mess. It looks horrible. And all of these schemes cost a lot of money. So let's just say the developers that they must appoint to undertake the schemes must be very happy with, with the councillors the mm. to go ahead with the project mm. and award them. But then 
the other thing is, is that, that amazes me is that some people in Rochdale, again, it's the socialist ones. These are the people that are constantly asking for the rich, somebody else to pay more tax. Never mm. them themselves mm. to pay more tax, always somebody else. So what these people don't understand is that the money spent could have been spent on something else by by the people that actually earned that money. So, you know, you've got local businesses in Rochdale. It was a, um, a, a great pub that's just gone bust. And basically the people and the owners of the pub have pinned it on, they've correctly pinned it on Rochdale Council. But there's no spending power left in the town because business rates are sky high. Uh, local people are paying stupid council, stupid amounts in council tax. So no one's got any money to spend. So how's a private business going to turn a profit? It's like a parasite that's killed its host, or it's it's killing its host. Rochdale exactly. is, is dying on mm. its feet. But I guess a lot of the socialists, they think, oh, it's really nice because maybe they don't pay so much tax. All they're in the business of is calling for other people to pay more tax so that they hope that they can benefit from it. And that's fair. I've got a few more questions. So Austrian economics, are there any countries in the world that are actually practicing it? So just before this podcast, I've started a new thing, which is I'm going to start interviewing my supporters um, who've reached out to me and told me their stories. And I'm going to make little podcast episodes of like four or five of my listeners. And so I just did the first one this morning before you. And it's a guy called Ernst. Uh, in Austria, mm-hmm. and he's a he works in his family's joinery, and he's telling me about the shit show yeah. that was going on in Austria, and it doesn't yeah. sound like in Austria they're practicing Austrian economic policy. Oh so no, no, no! If no, they're not no, doing no. it in Austria, are they <laughs> where the name comes from? Are they doing it anywhere in the well, world? Look, the, uh, Austrian economics really started in the 1920s, so it does just about predate Keynesianism, but. I guess what the Austrian economists were doing was studying economic history. In fact, they're very big on that. Then they're against economic modelling for quite complicated reasons. But, you know, it's difficult to predict the future. Human behaviour is it's unpredictable because our tastes and preferences change. How we might react to a particular stimulus, it can change over time because you know, the other thing is human beings do this learning thing. So Austrians are very into studying economic history. And mm. um, what they would say is that the type of society that they would want is, is the type of society that the UK had from, I don't know, maybe 1820 right through to 1914. Another example would be Hong Kong. Um, so, you know, it went from being a very, very poor country to, well, prior to the CCP, technocratic takeover to one of the richest countries on the planet you'd also have the the american um sort of economic miracle that was also based on free markets and, and liberty again so 1800s those are the exact oh i guess yeah and I, I guess the other thing you'd say too is what's happened in eastern europe that those countries have developed really <clears> quickly <throat> once the berlin war went down also, Russia. Yeah, honestly, like this is the thing that that I urge people to do is go onto YouTube 
then go and have a look at these like travel blogs in Bratislava. Go and have a look at a travel blog of uh, somebody in Moscow. Just look at the street scenes. Look how people are dressed. Look how healthy they look. Look how clean the streets are. Look how prosperous the place is. And then compare that to Manchester or London. Because I think this is the thing that I've noticed, is that many Brits, they, they tend to assume that everywhere is as bad as Britain. And mm. that's not true. Just not true at all. Mate, living standards in the UK have collapsed. Living standards have collapsed. And, you know, I, 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 I'll tell you a funny story. Can I tell you a funny story? So, like, I was born in Scotland in 1975. Um, to parents from Pakistan. My parents came over when they were like mm-hmm. teenagers. So very, very long time ago. Mm-hmm. But as young adults mm-hmm. saving up their money, you know, they still wanted to go back to Pakistan and visit their family and relatives. Yeah. And they would drag us. And, um, you know, yeah. we'd go there and be like, oh, can't we just go somewhere like Spain or France like everyone else? <laughs> but no, we would, we would yeah. go places where there was mosquitoes and power outages and whatnot. And we'd go where yeah, yeah, the yeah. roads had potholes and, you know, the infrastructure yeah. was just crumbling. And we used to be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, what the hell? There's a road with a massive hole in it? Like the idea of a pothole yeah, yeah. was just ridiculous. Yeah. We, it, mate, yeah. the roads now in, the, in Britain are, are just like mm-hmm. they were when I was growing up as a kid, yeah. my recollection of Pakistan. You, you have to dodge the holes. They're, they can, they're car killers. You know, they will destroy your car, yeah. the, the rims. Every, and they're not just one or two. Everywhere. Everywhere, and I. Yeah, well, well, so one point there, right? So if you look at Britain's infrastructure, it's Victorian. Who built it? Private sector did. The other thing right. as well that a key, like principle of economic uh, Keynesian, uh, sorry, Austrian economics is you mentioned saving, because that used to be a cultural. I know. In some cultures, saving is is deemed to be more important than others, and Austrians would would, would share that view on save on saving being important. Because what saving is, it's, it's the act of like postponing gratification, isn't it? Postponing delayed gratification. Yeah. And what? Yeah. And what that then creates is a pool of what um, economists would call like loanable funds. So it's like money in a in a in a real banking system, not fiat one, but in a real banking system, that would then provide banks with the finances to make loans to businesses. And those businesses would then be purchasing like machinery, capital. And that's, that drives your technological advances. That drives increases in output per worker, what we call productivity. And it's that that makes countries prosperous. So one of the main differences between the Keynesians and the Austrians is, is on this issue of consumption. Keynesians mm. want more consumption. They see saving as a bad thing. Austrians are the opposite. They, they view saving as a good thing because it provides the loanable funds to finance productive investment. And it's investment that drives productivity growth and, and ultimately our living standards so it's really I, I'm funny i'm reading robinson crusoe i'm reading robinson crusoe at the moment okay and there's a great example of it it's probably unintentional robinson crusoe he's got a choice he can either go out and like fish with his hands mm. 
Mm. tries that, it's not too successful. You know, he spends all day maybe catching one fish. Yeah. So his living standards are rubbish. So how can he improve on the situation? Well, basically, one day he can decide to go hungry and go into the forest and find some, like, I don't know, coconut rope or something, make himself a net. So that's, if he does that, it might take him two or three days. Mm. So during that two or three day period, he's got to sacrifice consumption. Mm. But the long run payoff is that his productivity, once he's got the net, is sky high. And it, it's the same principle. We've not been prepared to sacrifice consumption to fund investment. And that's why Britain is what it is. It's creaking. Uh, we don't invest enough. Yeah. Our economy is more orientated towards consumption and it's not orientated enough towards investment. Finland's the opposite. Finland's the, the total opposite. So they, they, they are following a kind of Austrian economic model. Well, in terms of investment, yeah. Finns, right. Finns understand that. So they're also into progress. So there might be a building, um, mm. you know, in Britain, carry on using it in finland it's like no let's knock it down let's build something better yes okay so it might cause some short-run problems or whatever but they just get on with it and people i think the social contract is still here so Finns they have take pride in their country they take pride in their local communities they take pride in themselves they're not too proud to serve their fellow man and work hard if that means making some short-run sacrifices, then they'll do it. I don't want this to be about me, but I'm kind of... Hearing you is making me think about me. So I spent a lot of my 20s and early 30s in debt, being a junior doctor and working in London. Not yeah. easy. Not yeah. easy. And I hated it. I'll no, be honest no. with you. Nigel, it, I hate debt. And the first thing I wanted to do was yeah, get yeah. out of debt. Right and then to. when I was working as a You're consultant... Right Great advice. Yeah, as soon as I worked as a consultant, all I wanted to do was save my money, save my money, save my money, and um, which yeah. I did. And then, and then you know, furlough started eating away my little savings because I couldn't work. Yeah. And then I built myself yeah. back up again. And then I had some yeah. money at the beginning of twenty twenty three, and I was like, I was really happy. Mm -hmm. I was putting some extra money away to eat away at the mortgage because I really hate the mortgage. That's my only debt now. Yep. And I was like, but I don't want to put all my savings into that mortgage because it won't get rid of the mortgage and then I won't have a buffer. So I had a bit of money and I was like, what do I want to do with this? Instead of it just sitting there in the bank earning nothing, I also thought, I want to invest this in something important that I, I think is important. So I built a garden studio, bought the cameras, the table, the mic. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But it, yeah, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't to make money. The economists would call that investment. Yeah, but I didn't do that to make money. Investment. This wasn't this wasn't to make money. Look, this wasn't. There's nothing wrong with making money. Are there? I know. There's, right, we have to get we have to get this right. There is nothing wrong in making money. I know, I know, but it was an it's investment. Provided that your customers are choosing of their own free will to purchase your service. Hundred percent. No, but at the time, a big problem with earning money. God, I know, I know, but at the time, God, the investment was for in freedom. This was an, 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 and you know, you can, you can invest in different things. For me, it was freedom. Like, how do yeah. we fight back? And I thought I need to create a podcast and I need to start talking yeah. about these important issues. 
this is I'm going to invest yeah. some of my money into this endeavor. And if you people look, I wasn't mm-hmm. charging anything for the podcast. I didn't have a paid Substack mm-hmm. or anything. It was just I, just free mm-hmm. content because this was a fight back. This is because what more mm-hmm. investment can you have than your freedom? If my kids are going to be locked up and forced to have jabs in the future, and I'm going to be locked down again. Yeah. You know, and I, if I can invest now to prevent that, that's a pretty goddamn mm-hmm. good return for my money. Um, but then I found that I couldn't work. It's also I got this... morality, Ahmed, as well. Yeah. It's also morality. Absolutely. I think I, I, we, we've talked a few times before this, and you, you're a decent guy. I um, like to think so. so but what, I, what I'm trying I, to say, I, savings... You had no choice. If you're like me, you had no choice. You had I had no, no choice. choice. It, was, it was just something that you had to do. So 100%. It's just... Yeah, it's just Mate, it's I, just in your DNA. You have to. Yeah, I cannot go back into that system. Even if tomorrow you said, "Oh, go back, get your salary and everything," and no, I'm surrounded by mm-hmm. people I don't respect anymore. A system yeah. that is corrupt that I don't respect anymore. Yeah, and you know, Andrew yeah. Wakefield told me, "Ahmed, you're really going to struggle keeping one foot in each door in each camp." You know. You're going to have to decide whether you're staying in or staying out. And at the time, I was like, nah. He was yeah. like, they're, they're not going to let you stay. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to stay in both. And, I've, you know, you convince yourself. Like, you know, I've got a duty to help my patients and people will need access to yeah. me. And if I'm in the system, I can help them change it. Do you know what? No. Yeah. I, I tried that with the NHS. And the reason why I left the NHS is because I realized I couldn't change it. I need, I, it was going to kill me. It was going to destroy me. And I think now it's the whole medical profession. I just. I can't stay in the system. It's too damaged and broken. <clears throat> so, We're in a, a spiritual <clears throat> battle, aren't we? So it's, it's just, yeah. Look, I think there's many of the problems stem from a moral decline. Yeah. So going back to what you talk about with debt, so greed is is not good. No. You know, being greedy is not is not a good is not a good thing, particularly if you're getting rich in a way that's um, that doesn't really involve serving other people. So a great example, I think, that we all experienced was what I used to call the location, location, location phenomenon, you know, where people would watch these, what I used to call property porn TV <laughs> shows. And it's like, sod serving your fellow man or woman. All you need to do to get rich mm. is go go to the bank, go and borrow like half a million quid or more, and go down to the property casino and slap it all on 13 black or something. Yeah. Slap a bit of paint on it. Other people are going to do the same. They're going to borrow even more than what you borrowed, so they'll pay more than what you pay. Yeah. And you'll be able to flip it on. Yeah. And it's it's just greed. 100%. And that greed was fueled by central banks who kept the price of money too low. For too long, you know, they kept interest rates too low for too long. Yeah, and you people know what? It, got burnt by that. And go on. One of the things that <clears throat> governments tell us is that they'll inject this money, this quantitative easing, and then you get this trickle down effect, yeah. and everybody is a winner. Mm. My understanding is that's not the yeah. case. What happens is the people who have the first access to that tranche of money are the ones who really make the yeah. money, and then what then happens is yeah. everyone else, because of the increase in the money supply. And the infl- inflationary yep. po- problems yep. lose money. They yep. they basically have less strength, yeah, yeah. power, purchasing power, and their quality of standard yep. of living goes down. Am I right? One hundred percent. Yeah, it's, you're basically talking 
about inflation. So what an Austrian would say is that inflation is 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 an increase in the money supply. And a rise in the price level is just a consequence of what inflation is. But you know, most people aren't taught this. They're taught Keynesian mumbo jumbo instead about cost pushing demand pull inflation. They're not really taught about the the quantity theory of money. Certainly that wasn't that wasn't it was on the syllabus at A level, but it was no exam questions ever came up on it. And I don't think that that was a coincidence. So basically what I would say is that the the price level, it's like a, a balance between the amount of stuff that's being produced and the amount of money. Right. And if the, mm. the amount of money is growing faster than the quantity of stuff, prices go up. And what happened, you know, before we had fiat money, before we had when we had gold and silver, due to technology, technological advances, output increased more rapidly than the money supply because the money supply was just basically gold and silver. So every year a little bit was discovered through mining and whatever. So the money supply did grow, but it grew at a much slower rate than output. So through most of human history, we actually had deflation as the norm, i.e. like falling prices. So people didn't need pay rises to become better off because the same money wage was buying more goods and services as the price level was falling. Mm. So, you know, whereas what we have today is, I don't know, Scylla the cleaner or something, her wages, or Nigel the teacher, his wages never kept pace with inflation. So I was I was worse off every single year, even though I was getting um, pay rises. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, you know, uh, my dad used to say to me, why is it you're a surgeon and you're in debt? Why is it you can't afford to buy your own house? I came over and I worked the yeah. markets and I bought a house within, you know, a few, you know, a few months. Yeah. And, my, and I was like, dad, your quality of life was better because you earned a lot more money and things didn't cost as much. How much was your first house? He went £3,000. Yeah. And I went, how much were you earning in that year? He went £3,000. And I was like, well, dad, you know, a flat in London now is 250000 And as a junior doctor, yeah. I'm making 35000 So <laughs> you yeah. bought a house with I your first you year salary. Yeah. You know? And 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 yeah. he didn't get it. A lot of well, I think a lot of baby boomer generation people don't really understand how good they had it, and how the generation X onwards got totally and utterly screwed. Do you know what I mean? I understand it. You know, I I, I bought um, a house in Croydon in the early nineties for about fifty grand, and at the time I was earning mid twenties. So my it was about. Uh, it's less. I was borrowing less than two and a half times my salary. Yeah, yeah. So if you think, if you work backwards, if I'm on say twenty-two grand and I'm 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 borrowing two and a half times my salary, the most I can pay is about fifty grand, sixty grand maybe if I push it to the max. Can't yeah. pay any more than that. So what people can pay is effectively what they can borrow plus a tiny bit extra as a deposit. So what's yeah. happened, we've had house price inflation because banks have been lending people more and more money. 
So if you lend somebody more money, they can pay more money. So of course the house price is going to rise. And money so that you, doesn't if you even were exist. To do a chart, <clears throat> if you were to do a chart, yeah, exactly, lent into existence. If you were to do a chart that showed household debt and house prices, just tracks it perfectly. Positive correlation. Just Mm. And it's not a surprise, you know, if you lend people more money, they can pay more money. So, of course, house you know prices what? will rise to that level that people can pay. Do you know what you've said that I never really, one of the many things that you said that I really didn't think about was how I, I, I knew economics impacted on health. I didn't realize the power that it would have on morality. And I didn't know, I didn't really appreciate mm. incentives either. And, you yeah. know, but I should have, because there's that guy, yeah. Charles Munger. And he goes, show me the incentive and I'll show you the outcome. And so what I mean by that yeah. is, for example, you can even look at like benefits for single parents. Yeah. Single parents' yeah. benefits are going to be more, I think, than a, a, a young couple together. So they'll be like, well, I'll be a single yeah. parent because I get a lot more benefits and a lot more money. And what does that do? It destroys yeah. the family unit. So you've, I mean, you've got all these per yeah. perverse incentives and it does affect yeah, yeah. morality. And it all comes back to... Yeah. The goddamn government. We need to stop this yeah. government machine. I don't know about you, but we is there a correlation just... between Austrian economics and being libertarian? <laughs> I mean, is there oh, well, that kind yeah, of like... definitely. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, what, one thing that we, we need to say, um, because there'll be people that come along with this, they'll go, oh, what about monopolies? You know, free market won't work if there's a monopoly. And to that, you know, because the consumer gets exploited. And what I would say to that is the monopolies are created by the government through regulation. There's no better example than healthcare in the US. Yeah. If the government is regulating its regulating a market and keeping out new entrants, prices so you know, prices will stay elevated. So what we have to do is to is to get rid of government regulation. And let people be the judge of quality themselves. Mm. So, you know, rather than relying on the MHRA to judge the quality of uh, mRNA injection, mm. maybe we should be doing that. Again, so this is another, I don't know, I'm sure you believe in this too, is that there needs to be more personal responsibility. 100%. Matt, what we, what we I talk about this all the time. What goes inside our bodies is we should not defer that to some government expert and then if it goes peak tong afterwards like you know get the government to pay compensation by looting somebody else's income it's like who maybe did do their due diligence yeah yeah so we've talked about the problems nigel yeah what are the solutions how do we okay. we've got this goddamn give, central banks a, governments everything yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Let's talk. Let okay. So let's just take the a low low hanging fruit, yeah? Because this is mm -hmm. something that is exercising the minds of, of of many people, which is immigration. So a lot of people they don't like their taxes being spent housing people in four star hotels who come over illegally and whatever. Yeah. Um that that is a very 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 easy uh, problem to fix, and you just get rid of the reason why these people come, which is basically get rid of all welfare, get rid of the NHS, 
get rid of state education, get rid of state housing. Then you remove the incentive for these people to come. The other thing that I would say is that if you do that, you'll dramatically slash government spending. So guess what? You can also dramatically slash taxation. Mm. Yeah. The other, yeah, to like, I don't know, like 5%, enough to pay for law and order and national defense. And that's where, that's the only legitimate role for government, those two things, enforcing private property rights. Um, so imagine a situation if we were to establish that. You would, the UK would still attract immigrants, and I certainly don't believe uh, in things like passports. I don't believe after what's happened, how can Me neither. anybody trust the government? You know, with the power to decide who who can and can't live in in your country or another country. These people are just we can't give them that power because we're free sovereign individuals. And mm. I believe that somebody should be able to go and live <clears throat> wherever they want to live in the world, <clears throat> provided that they pay their own way. Yeah. In the free market that they produce something of value that somebody else of their own free volition wants to buy. And that's, that's how I would go back to how things were prior to World War One. No passports. We have people coming and going. There's no problem with that. Free you know range, what? you know? I think, I think that's the amnesia of humanity that people don't realize. 150 years ago, there was no income tax and there was no passports. You know what? Yeah. If you wanted to go somewhere like America, you you had to pay your 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 shipping, you know, your cost to f- sail over, and you had to be able to provide yeah, yeah, for yeah. yourself, and you had to work hard. What's wrong with and that? And that was it. What's, what's wrong, wrong with, with that? that? <clears throat> yeah. What's wrong with having to serve your fellow man? Nothing. Jesus was the servant king. He washed people's feet. He wasn't, pre- you know, what, what makes people think that they have got a divine right to consume a share of somebody's output without offering something in return. It's just ridiculous. You know, I, so, I play yeah, this. Yeah. Talking about Jesus, I always say, I really can't see Jesus putting on a mask. I can't see Jesus doing social distancing. Nigel, step back, six feet. Buster, six feet. Authorities are telling me to stay six feet from you. I don't see Jesus no. doing that. I don't see Jesus saying, close the churches, close the churches. I don't see Jesus saying, hey, everyone, kneel down in front of the altar of the holy vaccine and take your shot. (laughs) Do not see Jesus saying that. Christianity is based on free will. That's that's something that many people don't get at all. It's based on free will. You've got to make a decision to pick up your cross and and follow the example of Jesus. In fact, that's what I used to say. We're you know here on earth to serve yeah. our fellow man. Or and women, obviously. 100%. Well, that's what we're here for. You know your solutions. I've and got sometimes l- in luck. Go on. Go on I've, I've got, got a little... There's, there's loads more to talk about. But... Yeah, don't worry. We'll go on. I've got a little go tweak. Do you want to say anything more about immigration? No, about your solutions. I would do a little tweak. Right, I would actually okay. get... I would, another, I would get... Well, that's... Here's, an, here's another one, right? So okay. uh, monetary reform, <laughs> what do we do? Get rid of central banks. We have uh, competing private currencies. Do you want me to go into what that might mean? No, no, just wait one second. I was going to say I would get rid of income yeah. tax completely. And what I would say is 
Yeah. Um, on on every electronic transfer of money, I would charge like point yeah. one or point zero five percent. Not hard cash, not yeah, hard yeah. cash, not physical cash. Yeah, yeah. I'd get Do rid that. of income tax completely. Yeah. It would just be a small yeah. charge on electronic transmission of money, and and that would fund defense. And like you said, law and yeah. order. But even that, yeah. the law and order would be decentralized. It would be local communities, mm-hmm. local police officers policing their communities. So everybody knows everyone in the yeah. village, in the town, in the neighborhood. So you know what? Yeah. When everybody knows each other, no one's going to start stealing yeah. or doing yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. And you also no, help no. each other. No, when no. there's no welfare system, yeah, you yeah. go, you know what? John's a good lad. He he and his family have fell on hard times. Hey, everybody, can we all pitch together and help out John? Do you see, when there's a community and when you look after each other, you know, it functions much better yeah, yeah. than when you don't know each yeah. other and you go, oh, I'm going to rely on the state, the same state that is a bully, that is a tyrant, that is stripping away your freedoms and yeah. is robbing you day and night. I mean, that's the only thing I would say about income tax yeah. and everything. Well... Uh- yeah, <clears throat> like basically, you're looking at five or ten percent. That would be enough to fund law and order and national defence. So, you know, when you get the tax rate down that low, how you actually collect the money is, is, is you know, it's not that it's not that important when the tax when you don't need to collect that much tax. You, you know, um, the other thing as well that I would say that that many big government people. Um, they all say, oh, what about the poor? What about the poor? Well, I would say, like, what about the poor now? Like, you've got hope. I went to Manchester in September. I was shocked, just the homelessness. The police doesn't seem to be working. The whole town just, or city, stank of uh, genetically modified can- cannabis. It's a pretty dangerous place. Um, NHS doesn't work, does it? Unless you, unless you want to see your GP by phoning them up and saying, can I have a COVID vaccine? And then they'll see you the next morning. But other than that, state schools, you know, they'll have some very interesting people dressed in fancy clothes, reading your kids' fairy stories or teaching your kids about Marxism. So, yeah, so, like, what would we do without without these government services? It would be terrible. Not. You exactly. know, what you would actually have is... You'd actually have um, entrepreneurs setting up schools. So people say, well, what about the poor? They can't afford it. We say, well, prior to the establishment of state education, rich people routinely set up schools. They routinely offered uh, scholarships. Um, With this day and age, I'm educating people now for free by doing my YouTube channel. People. People like me and you, we understand charity. Uh, we do it. Whereas I think the people, the big government people, they're guilty of projecting this, oh, well, no one would do charity. If you left it up to private individuals, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. What they're doing is that they're projecting their own personality onto us, that mm. they are the selfish ones. They wouldn't do it. But I know there's a couple of people uh, back at home who do like real hardcore socialists who who don't declare um, their rental income on second homes and at the same time they're going oh the rich must pay more tax 
like about um, about a month ago, me and my wife went to this um, this place called Normarku, and uh, there was a big iron works there, uh, run by some Swedish geezer. And basically, inside, there's a restaurant there now and everything, and it's all information about what this Swedish family did for Normarku, built hospitals, uh, built schools, built all sorts of uh, sports and leisure facilities. In Finland, this is still kind of quite alive through this system. They call it associations. So local people, they get together and they maintain an athletics field or football or, you know, or they just do things like free coffee or whatever, or like pulla, these cinnamon buns, like towards Christmas time. And people just pay what they want. Mm-hmm. Like human beings. Most human beings, they love each other. The only exceptions are these supporters of authoritarian, big government, socialism, fascism, same difference. Mate, I'm going to come back to that. I really need to pee. Can we pause and we'll restart? Is that okay? You know what? Oh, man, I feel so much better now. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's us men of a certain age with tiny bladders. We just need to go, man. I have to be, <laughs> and because I, I was really, I'm really enjoying this conversation. But I, I was getting to a point where I was, I was like really uncomfortable. I was like, I need to go. I'm on my second bite of water. So that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. My excuse is my coffee just runs straight through me. It's really funny. I tried to give uh-huh. up coffee after I spoke to Amanda Devolmer, uh-huh. and I did for about three, four weeks, and it was rough. And that, but now yeah. what I do is on my coffee machine, you can set how many beans, how strong the coffee mm-hmm. is. And I've gone to the bare okay. minimum. And, um, oh. and I still like, I like drinking my coffee. I like drinking it with my wife. It's a thing we do together. And I, d- yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. give it up, you know, but it maybe, runs yeah, straight maybe through. I won't me. watch that podcast there. <laughs> <laughs> I quite enjoy drinking coffee. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A big, yeah. That's a big Finnish thing as well. People go around to each other's houses and they sit at a table and they drink coffee and eat, like, (laughs) carb treats, you know, (laughs) the cinnamon buns and stuff. My my sister married a Swede and now lives in Stockholm and she speaks fluent Swedish, which is amazing. And they do fika, 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 you know, coffee and the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. Yeah, it's nice. It is Mm. nice. But, you know, coming back to what Mm. you were saying, you know, what I think is, personally... You know, we, we've been brainwashed, indoctrinated by the state into fearing our neighbor. And, you know, if you going back to, you know, mm-hmm. Christianity, you know, love thy neighbor, you know, and I, I'm not mm-hmm. a Christian, but I love that. I love that. Love that thing. A yeah. lot of the religions, if you go back to their proper messages, actually say they're pretty much the same things and they're all very nice and they're very good and love thy neighbor. And, you know, go out and I, I, I love talking to people. I love talking to you and all my other guests. And, you know, I got that from my dad. Mm. My dad loved talking to mm. people. You would leave him for five yeah. seconds, turn your back, and you know what? He'd be making best yeah. friends with someone. And that taught me as a kid, yeah. actually, most people are quite nice. It doesn't matter what your background is or whatever. Yeah, yeah. People are just nice people, but we're yeah. now taught to fear. Fear our neighbor, fear mm. the, the person and, you know, down the street, that yeah. funny-looking guy. And I think the government wants you to fear everyone and not talk to anyone and not trust anyone. But guess what? 
And we are meant to, as well. And be envious. And yeah, but we're meant they're, they're to love the government. They're very keen on that, to be envious. Yeah. But we're meant to love the government, trust the government, believe in the government. The government is this paternal, you know, caring entity when it's in this inverted <clears throat> world. Can... I think I think it's God. They, lo, lo, many people these days, they worship government as God. Yeah. That, um, so, so long as they do what the government tells them to do, everything will be okay. And if bad yeah. things happen to somebody, it's normally because they didn't do what the government told them to do and they had, they deserved what was coming. I, I mm. had people, and there was one I'm not going to mention, when this came, just as the um, the injections were being rolled out, you know, I basically they would they tried a little bit with the quarantine camps, didn't they, in um, New Zealand or Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I said yeah. to this guy, I said to this guy, like, so do you think that that's morally right? And he's like, oh well, you know, they should have had the they should have had the injection. Yeah, not not good, know, but I think going back to like morality and and, and religion, my my mm-hmm. advice to people is read the books yourself. Don't go off secondhand information like Justin Welby or you know some <laughs> uh, whoever it is, some Islamic cleric. Go and read the books yourself. It's like a historian. You've got to if you want to understand something, look at the primary documents. And then sit down with a coffee and a, and a biscuit and have a think about it and then make your own mind up and don't be a repeater station. Like listen to the like BBC Radio 4, their take on something and then just regurgitate it word for word and pretend that's your own thoughts. I call those people repeater stations. There's loads of them, immoral repeater stations. Mm. Yeah, and it's that's tough, a good point. It's tough being around those people. <clears throat> it's really Mate. tough being around those people but that's what I would say to people that's how I got into Christianity as an intellectual exercise I read the Quran and then I read the Bible and it was actually when I say the Bible I actually uh, read the New Testament uh, it was like a good news version and that just like blew me away and I, my thought was like blinking eh? this is not like because I I worked in a private school the last sort of 15, 16 years, and they used to have like a chapel every Friday, and they'd have other religious services and whatever. And then I read the Bible myself. It's like, what? This isn't anything to do with what what they talk in the chapel. This is like chalk and cheese. What's so people are being misled? Uh, one thing that I've said before, it's like it's like imagine if you fed a child Brussels sprouts and told them that they were eating strawberries. If you ask them, do you like strawberries? They go, oh, I bloody hate strawberries. They taste all sour. And that's basically what, I can't speak for, for Islam, not so much, but I, I can, you know, I've studied Christianity more, and that's definitely been misrepresented and corrupted. And but so, I would say, like, if you if you haven't read one of the Gospels of the New Testament, just do it. Do it as an intellectual exercise. So, I I don't know if you've heard me on the podcast talk about this, but yeah, I I am um I very much believe in God. I very much believe that we're in a spiritual battle. Um, I've given up an organized religion of all sorts right now. 
Um, yep. I'm not a Muslim, haven't been for over 15 years. I, I think while a lot of religions have got great common threads, they've been co-opted and captured. And that's all about yeah. guilt, shame yeah. and control and division and division rather than bringing humanity together. It's, oh, it's my way or the highway or we're the special people and you're not. And it's funny because I don't want a one world religion. <laughs> I really, 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 no. really don't want that. I want diversity. I want, no. I want a free market. I want a free market of religion, but mm. I want proper religion. Mm. I want the, the real religions, the ones well, that, it's there. you know. <laughs> it's, it's there, but people are lazy. <clears throat> so they go to somebody else who interprets it for them. And they Mate, it's nice. a corrupted version of it. It's nice hearing from it's someone like, who's... It's laziness again. It's laziness. Yeah, I'm really Sorry, glad mate. you're saying it like this because you're just calling it out for what it is. People are mm. lazy. People need to stop being lazy. People need to take responsibility, mm. do the hard work, invest their time and energy, yep. and not be spoon fed and not your fellow man. Yes. Mm. Yes, and Sorry, and mate, isn't I'm there... interrupting too much. No, no, it's all right. I like it. <laughs> I'm saying, don't you feel like pleasure in in serving humanity? Of course. It's like being a parent. So for those of us who are parents, we know what it's like. You know, you, <laughs> you your kids, <clears throat> they have free will and you respect their free will. But what you want, you're there to guide them, to set a good example. And it gives you enormous pleasure when you see them choosing the right path and, and, and doing good things and serving society, being a useful person in society. Yeah. That was always so, something that was inside me, actually. I remember as a kid, I always, my feeling was when I grow up, I want to do something useful. I want to be, I want to make a positive contribution to society i don't want to just earn money i want to do something useful i want to yeah. help people yeah and i think that that's in that's inside many people apart from the status who are into you know greed and envy and power you know we're gonna we're gonna like pursue social justice with via boys with big sticks and secret police and What's really upset me is that I've come to know a lot of some people in the freedom movement, big figures that you kind of looked up to in the last few years. And when you get to know them, you realize they're driven by ego and all these things you've just talked about. They want power. They want fame. They want money. Yeah. And, yeah. and when you realize that, it's, it's quite sad. It's upsetting. <laughs> it's like, no, no. Something that I, I've noticed in my, my own life is something very, very personal that I could that I could talk about. I'm not sure, but in my own life, I've seen people pursue materialism, ego, mm. status. Saw a lot of it at this private school that I taught at. It was kind mm. of, you know, quite a decent one, and these people were miserable as anything. So miserable, mm. so unhappy. There was one, actually, I always remember that this is one of the richest families in, in Britain. And they were all druggies. 
And I think in the end, one, I think, I'm not sure if it was the mother or something, but they like found, found a body decomposing in a flat in London because they'd all been like just off the faces on drugs. They'd, they'd inherited money. So there's nothing wrong with earning money if you're mm. serving other people and you, you know, like if you've written a fantastic book or, you know, like you, Doc Malik, got a dodgy ankle and you want to carry on playing sport. I used to play a lot of sport. And I, my left ankle actually repaired itself after about 25 years and me not playing football anymore. But, you know, like somebody like you who can fix an ankle and like you can give me my Saturday afternoons back playing football with my mates. Wow. What a life to do that. To, to have that, to, you know, so imagine I'm the amount of pleasure you've brought to people's lives. Let me read out something I'm to you. I'm blowing smoke up your backside, by the way, but it's true. Well, I appreciate it. So listen to this. Um, I got this message. Saturday, this Saturday. I said, hey, I just saw you rang me. Is, it, is everything okay? And then she wrote back saying, hey, I left you a voicemail. Everything is amazing. I was calling to say a big thank you. And you know what? Yeah. I, operated, I operated on her like half a year ago. But out of the blue, yeah, yeah, she yeah. rang me to just say thank you. Isn't yeah. that nice? I mean, if that doesn't make you feel yeah. great, I don't know what does. And I think that's what I missed yeah, yeah. from my job because I used to, I used yeah, to like, get these random messages out of the blue. Hey, Ahmed, it's a year since yeah. you operated on me. Big thank you. Look at me. I'm hiking here, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. um, and, and man, I can tell you, Nigel, that was a good feeling. But now what I am getting, what I'm getting is lots of messages every day from people thanking me for the podcast and telling me what a difference it's making. And if you don't mind, I'm going to speak for a little bit um, and explain a few things. So what I mean is a lot of people are saying, oh, you should, you know, pick more controversial topics. And, and even if it means you getting canceled at least you're doing the right thing. And I'm like, what? And then some people are like, oh, you should steer away from controversial things and get food to normies and then you'll be more of a commercial success. And I listen to these two camps and I'm like, just be quiet, leave me alone. I'm just doing my own thing. And yes, it'd be great yeah. to have a reach. You want to have a reach. You want to get food to as many people as possible, but you don't want to do it yeah. because you're dri driven by commercial, you know, materialistic goals. And equally, no. you know, I, I, wanna, I want to create a community. I want to foster people. A lot of people felt very alone. We were made to feel like we were, you know, freaks for thinking the way we did when we were not. Mm -hmm. And so it's really nice. Just every day I get, I get messages and, you know, it just makes me happy. So I'll give you an example. I've just, I'm reading literally emails that I've not even opened yet. So today someone called Sandy emailed me at 8.25 this morning. Thank you, Ahmed. I'm one of Dr. Cartland's early members and I've been meaning to subscribe to you for a while. Your Dr. Malone interview, excellent by the way, was a talk of our WhatsApp group for most of yesterday and reminded me to subscribe. Thank you for the incredible work you're doing. Watch as the blessings of the universe are bestowed on you and your family in surprising and miraculous ways. Wow, I've got goosebumps. Man, I kid you not, that's the first time I've read that. All right, next, Zoe. Yeah. Zoe, hi Ahmed. This was at eight, 9.38. 
So, so I've done quite a lot of research this week on germ theory, virus, germ theory versus no virus. Both camps tend to agree that COVID or any pandemic is not possible in the natural world. Neither, and either is an engineered clone virus that was sprayed in certain areas is a result of toxins and mass psychogenic illness. This would account for the concentration of infection in certain areas. It's, not, it's very plausible. Um, and then she goes, yeah. um, you've probably come across these people, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh God, it's a long email. Um, sorry for the dump. I love researching. So have really enjoyed looking into this best Zoe. Um, oh, and this is what she said. I will subscribe more as soon as payday comes. Thank you for everything you do. The sacrifices you have made are very high, but you yeah, are yeah. on the right side exactly. of this fight. You are saving Can lives by making... thank you as well to you? Thanks, man. You are saving lives by making people aware of the truth in a time when few are speaking up. I know it's not surgery, but sometimes our paths lead elsewhere, and this is vital work. The very survival of our children depends on it. Sorry if that sounds dramatic, but the world is in dire straits at the moment, and we need strong, courageous people like you and the others which are refusing to be silenced. Um, and you know, it goes on. You know, and I'm just saying, you know, you get messages like that, and I get me- I get about ten of those a day, mate. And I'm like, I'm I'm on the right track. I must be doing something right. The big, you know? the big man upstairs is also noticing what you're doing. So in, in, the, in the Bible, they talk about Jesus talks about the narrow gate and the broad gate. And most people go in through the broad gate, which is the path of least resistance, which basically means enjoying their creature comforts. So mm. you know lots of people like that who cho- have chose the broad gate, who chose to sell their souls in return for a few materialistic trinkets and a bit of status. And then there's the narrow gate, which you've chosen. And I like to think I chose as well, which which mm. means giving up ego, status, materialism. Uh, I, 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 working it out, I was, I've probably lost half a million quid, which probably is a lot less than, you know, I, when I chucked it in, I was 56. So I'd have kept mm. going for another 10 years at least. So, and then no one... I'm persona non grata now in terms of writing things, magazine articles and books and whatever. Uh, <clears throat> but as I said before, I I certainly felt I had no choice. I had to do it. And I surprised yeah. myself, really. Just There were times where I just had to be, like, brave. And I, I just, it, there, wasn't an, there wasn't an issue of a decision. It was just like, I have do this yeah and that's, no, I that's think it you're doing, and people I think you're doing amazing people, people respect it I mean I, I mean I, I want you to see I mean if you want to talk about any of these things I mean you're so prolific on your YouTube videos and I'm, I'm really grateful you send them to me on my telegram I'm not going to lie I don't watch all, all of them I probably watch half of them because I'm so busy but I, I, I do love them and yeah. I love this crunching on the snow as you walk <laughs> Yeah, you know, you've you've talked about our yeah, human yeah. rights progressive, the normalization of criminality. Um, somebody's trying to shut me up. More amazing things have happened. How do we collapse their system? Um, a demoralization psyop you may not have noticed. Tell me about that one, and then the normalization of criminality, because those are two that I haven't seen. Okay, what do you okay. what do you mean by this kind of stuff? Um, so, what was the first one again, Armin? 
The first one, um, you were talking about the a demoral, demoralization style oh, yeah. you may not have okay, noticed. Okay, right. So it's just it's just something that I've noticed. Um, I used to play a lot of sport when I was sort of too old to do that. So cricket and football, basically. Um, so I started watching a lot of sport. Um, I go and watch ice hockey now. And what I've noticed is there's this thing called VAR. I don't know if you're aware of that. It's like a video... Um, it's like a third umpire referee where they can go for a referral. Okay. And basically, what they're doing with that is fixing games with it. It's a lot of very strange decisions being made. And I oh. think many professional sports now are being run for the benefit of, uh, well, gambling. And then the, the second one would be to just rub people's faces in it because some of the, these kind of mistakes are so blatant but they mm. can't be mistakes it's like they're telling the stupid <clears throat> plebs that they're watching they're paying to watch something that's just corrupt so that's the demoral and my solution to that <clears throat> again is to go local to go and watch amateur sport get involved with local clubs and the local community go and watch something authentic that's not been um, subjected to a corporate takeover. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I mean, I'm trying to do everything like that. I, I don't consume the news anymore. You know, I found out about the Yemen bombing because I was speaking to one of my supporters and they're like, yeah, you know, I can't believe Britain bombed Yemen. And I was like, what, what? And, and you know, so it does mean sometimes I'm a bit out of date when it comes to news, but I don't want to give them my time or my money, you know, because even even though I'm not giving the news direct yeah. money, the fact is advertising revenue or whatever, the clicks, I don't want to give them anything. You know, yeah. I don't even bother going online and checking the Guardian or whatever. It's all filth. It's all garbage. And I just don't want to know. Yeah. And, you know, buy well, local. Well, what I used to say to the students is with, with that is use it as a contra indicator. So whatever they're saying, Assume that the truth is the opposite. Yeah, it's a bit like yeah. NHS healthy eating advice. So whatever <laughs> they say is healthy, just reverse it, and that'll be the truth. Hundred percent. You know, you can, I had you can laugh at that, but it's it's actually true. It's, no, no, you've nailed it. Like I don't know if you saw my healthy eating advice. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You're hundred percent right. I, was I don't know. Ask if... you about somebody who has. Sorry, God. Somebody I respect massively is Asim Malhotra, who often gets called out by people, oh, he's controlled opposition. And these people, again, they haven't done their homework because they don't know about all the work that Asim Malhotra did on busting statins. Because I think statins have been killing millions of people and causing stuff like dementia. And it's, there's no link between cholesterol and heart disease according to Asim Malhotra, and I'll go with him, thank you very much. And he's, he suffered because he spoke the truth. Yeah. My, my go-to people are Zoe Harkham and Malcolm McKendrick. And I was saying about the NHS food guide, if, you, if you've listened to my Zoe Harkham podcast, it was incredible. And she talks about the food pyramid and everything. And it's, it's exactly what you said. It's a complete inversion of it. Whatever they say... <laughs> Yeah. Don't follow their guidelines. You know, low fat, yeah. no yeah. meat, no red meat. Yeah. But the indoctrination then goes deep yeah. and hard. You know, my mom just had a heart attack. And, you know, I'm trying to tell her to change her diet, get her on a keto diet. 
on everything. And she's like, no, no, you know, you're going to kill me. I need low fat. I need no, I can't have butter. I can't have cream. I need skimmed yeah. milk. I don't want to eat meat. And, and I was like, yeah. mom, but that's been your diet and look where it's led you. No, no. The cardiac yeah. nurse told me, I was like, what did the cardiac nurse look like? <clears throat> By the way, just out of yeah, yeah. curiosity, which, did she look healthy? Oh no, her her but thighs, you. her thighs were like this yeah, big, yeah. like the size of your waist. Each that she was so yeah, big, yeah. she barely could sit in the chair. I went, hold on. And what advice was she giving you? She was saying, oh, you need low fat and don't eat red meat and don't eat butter. And I went, and how did that work out for her? And look at your son. You're complaining that I use butter and fat and meat. How do I look? She goes, you look great. I went, how about my wife? How does she look? So let, let's oh. break this down, yeah? Your wife let, looks amazing. Let's break this and, down. So you can either yeah. choose to have something that's made in a factory that's in a plastic pot, or you can have something butter that's made from cow's milk and spit of salt that's been made for thousands of years. Like, which one's the healthiest? Like, right. I, I remember uh, not, I broke my finger playing cricket uh, like, I don't know, about seven years ago, something like that. And I went into the A&E. That's the only thing I'd use NHS for these days, by the way. Is um, And I couldn't believe it. It was like Burger King inside. <laughs> I think it was like WH Smith selling like triangle sandwiches with seed oil mayonnaise and loads of junk chocolate and crisps. And what? In a hospital? Yeah. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I walk now through hostels and streets and malls and airport lounges, and I just see the poison everywhere. I just see mm. seed oils, highly processed yeah, yeah. carbohydrates, sugar, E-numbers, yeah, yeah. preservatives. Yeah. And it's all toxic. Yeah. And I see poison. And, I, and other people are gorging yeah, on yeah. it, feeding on it. And they're big and they're obese and they've got their gallon cart drinks and soft drinks and they're munching it all down. Yeah. And I just think it's all poison. It's addictive, isn't it? It's addictive. Yeah. Addictive poison. Addictive poison. And then, and then the parents, I see I, every, every school pickup, I'll hear a parent going, hey, so do you want to go, should we go to McDonald's for a treat? I'm like, yeah, hi. No, little kids, I'm going to give you a little bit again, of poison today. It goes back to self. It goes back to personal responsibility, doesn't it? Yeah. Like it you does. don't eat it. No. I, I've, I've cut out uh, mayonnaise. Um, you know, I try my best. Like I'll eat, I'll eat, sometimes I'll eat a, a cake if it's been home cooked by somebody. But, you know, when I'm good, I won't, I won't even bother with that. But people have to learn to take responsibility for, for their own lives again. But you know, so going back to what we said about taxes and stuff, you know, like, could you imagine how, what change there would be if you had a tax rate of five or 10%? Mate, 100%. I'm going to something. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something that will blow your mind. You know, in Russia, they have this thing called a flat rate of tax. So everybody pays the same tax rate 13%. One, three. Wow. Russia wow. is more free market than the UK. 13% flat rate of tax in Russia. So you're rewarding um, enterprise. You're rewarding, rewarding people who are prepared to do things of value for other people to voluntarily opt into. 
That's what we need. So before we go back to taxation, yes, yes. can I quickly talk about the food? And so, you know, you're talking about delayed gratification. I'll give an example. It, it's not yeah. just spending power, what buying things. Take food, for example. You know, I do intermittent fasting every day. So on yeah. average, I fast 20 hours. I am hungry right now. But I'm choosing not to have yeah. a biscuit with my coffee. I, I even I don't eat biscuits. Yeah, but what yeah, I'm trying yeah. to say is, I'm not having a snack now because oh, I'm you know I'm hungry. I woke up. Yeah. I I I I'm used to living with hunger, and then at 20 hours, I will have one meal, and actually that delayed eating is incredibly you know healthy. It's so powerful, anti-aging, yeah. boosts your immune system, makes you happier, yep. gets rid of your insulin resistance, reverses your diabetes. Yep makes you build muscle you know and as a man yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't want to lose your muscle and all that kind of stuff no, and no, there's so no, many no, no, good no. good things about just delaying and if you look at all religions they all talk about the benefits of fasting so i just thought i'd put yeah. that in there that fasting and delayed no, gratification I agree. I all agree. aspects i've been trying good. to do some of that myself um i've been How's trying that? to do some of that um so i've not had how's that working out well 12 o'clock our time now and i've not had anything to eat today i've just had these two glasses of water and had some lemon juice and honey. Perfect. My throat was a bit scratchy, but honey, honey, yeah. honey. No, cause yeah. that'll elicit the response. But next time, if you want to fast, don't have oh. the honey, just lemon water. Okay. Anyway. So going back okay. to taxation, I mean, I did some math in my yeah. head and tell me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but I kind of calculated by the time, you know, you start earning money, you've paid your income tax, your national insurance tax, your council tax, your value added tax, oh, your corporation oh, tax, oh, your pension, oh, the, the tax on the pension, the tax on your on your capital gains tax, uh, anything that you've made profit on, your inheritance tax. Pretty much you're left with 5% of whatever you, you earned. Everything's yeah, been stolen you from you. If you toss yeah, it all up. That would be your marginal rate of tax. You know, that because that, there'll be some people who come on and like try and debunk it. But basically what you're talking about is that if you were to earn an extra pound, yeah. 95, 95 pence of it would be stolen from you by the government. And you'd get Am I right, though? Have I, have yeah, I, is that? Could, yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> I used to be a like, humble like teacher, head of department. I, my marginal rate of income tax was 40%, plus another 10 national insurance. Then you've got twenty percent VAT when you spend the money. Then you've got tax. excise duties, excise oh, fuel man, duty, yeah. fuel that, duties, that, yeah, everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. If we aren't so, serfs, then what are we? If that's not serfdom, <laughs> I don't know what is. Oh, and don't forget, there's the debt slavery on top of that, where where they have this monetary system where they're able to lend money into existence and get you to pay interest on it. It's madness. What's good is that 10 years ago, no one knew that. But I think through podcasts like yours, me doing a bit of YouTubing, or many, many other people, that people are understanding what the, the, this kind of fear debt-based monetary system that we have actually is. Okay, 100%. I've so, got two last yeah. questions for you. So what I would want to ask you yeah. is, what what would be your top advice to households in terms of protecting their finances and their freedom? That's the first question. Well, okay, two questions. So, two, right. So in terms of finances, um, what, again, what I would say is from an Austrian perspective, we have you know, the importance of 
you know, subjective values. So my choices are based on my subjective preferences. So I'm very much, um, I'm not interested in materialism. I'm more of a safety first type of guy. And I, like you, I've never really been into debt. A lot of people laughed at me for years and years and years because I refused to take out a bigger mortgage and play mm. the, the property Ponzi game. Mm. You had Mitch Feierstein on. His book, Planet Ponzi, is brilliant. It's absolutely mm. superb. So mm. what I would say, my own personal preference is just is avoid debt. If you do have to get in debt, uh, pay down that debt as rapidly as possible. If I was talking to somebody young, my number one advice would be consider university very carefully uh, yeah. because of the student loan system. Like oh, I used to teach it. Uh, I used to do a session with the six formers, an hour session where I would go through it and I would put some numbers up on a PowerPoint slide and just show them how it works. Um, because it's inflation adjusted as well and unpaid interest is added on to the total amount of debt. And then there'd always be people who'd say, oh, well, they write off the loan at 60 or whatever it was. But then the problem is, is that you can't trust these people because mm. they've got a habit of changing the goal. Posts like they, with those waspy pensioner women, yeah, where they were, ex and then they say, "Oh, sorry, we've changed our mind. There's been an emergency." And if you're in hock to the government, uh, they've got they've got control over you. So for me, if I was 18, I'm not sure whether I'd go to university mm. in England mm. because of the like it's a rip off, and they don't get taught properly, indoctrinated. <clears throat> yeah, I know people that did ex students. They come back. And uh, I'd have lunch with them. They used to come into school and they would have lunch and sit down and chew the bat. History at Exeter. They have like like six hours let a contact time a week. And then for the last term, they had hard, they didn't even have that. And they, they're being charged over nine grand. Mm. They're hardly being taught. It's like, and then, then you've got the issue of like, we're living in a different world now. What use is an English degree, history degree, politics degree, geography degree, mm. especially with the way things are going with, with, with AI? So, you know, for me personally, I would, it's very difficult to give advice because it's going to vary from one person to another. Mm. Like if you were, oh, I don't know, six foot, I don't know, two meters or whatever, you're a big, like strapping guy and you've got a desire to help people then you might want to i don't know why not be a fireman or something but again do something useful with your life that's that's another thing that i would say to be truly free to, to be free from mental turmoil free from that do something useful with your life here mm. and no, don't like go that. for the Oh, um, you know, oh, I'm going to do that because, like, I used to know a GP, and as soon as he, as soon as he was able to put Doctor DJ Mullen on his credit card, he did it, and he would love it, flashing it, you know, in the supermarket, going. I used to go um, nightclubbing with him, and you know, girls would come. Oh, what do you do? And he would like literally, he would grow inches. He'd puff his chest out and he'd go, I'm a doctor. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think that brings you happiness, mate. Don't bring no. you happiness, especially now. Well, you know, to be honest with you, what I've learned is that the NHS has been a shambles. They've been bumping off. They bumped off my dad. I didn't know it at the time because I was a fool and I still trusted them. Yeah. But they've been doing that, you know, for the greater social good. Oh, he needs to, you know, his time's come. Let's give him a good death. I didn't know. I, 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 did, I couldn't. I, he had dementia. I reckon a lot of that was caused by the statins he was on. And like huge, he was on like, I don't know, six or seven different tablets every night. But he trusted the system too. Yeah. And if there's a good thing that's come out of this is that there's many more of us now who just don't trust these. Uh, again, I'm not going to swear, but, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a quite a str- I, would, I don't know what's, yeah, the C word might, might be appropriate. So two things there. Ego. Um, yeah, two things there. To the student loans when they started, I remember they were just out the box when I was a medical student in 1993. And at the time, it was like, it was very capped. Um, there was no student f- tuition fees. You just had student loans if you wanted to support yourself. So yeah. education was still free at that yeah. point. And then they said there'll yeah. be no interest. And it's a government company, student loan company. It's owned by the government and there's no interest on it. And then by the time I yeah. left, it was like, oh, now there's going to be interest, but it's, uh, sorry, but it's going to be tagged at inflation. And, and then yeah, it was like, oh, but now, now you have to be linked. Now you have to pay tuition fees as well as your maintenance. So it's not just mm-hmm. student maintenance. Now it's the tuition fees. And now it's going to be a private company. They've sold it to a private company and the interest rates are going to be market rates. And so what I'm trying to say is what you said about the goalpost shifting. Yeah, hundred percent. I've seen it in front of me. It, it Absolutely. Yeah. And what you shocks me them. is people are coming out now, you know, you're talking about what to do. Um, my kids go to jujitsu with, you know, we, I go to jujitsu and kickboxing. And one of the instructors there is only about 23 or 24. And I said, did you go to university? He went, nah. I mean, what, what did you do? You went, I was 16. I, I'm very good at kickboxing. And, I've been coming to this gym for years. I thought I'd become a kickboxing personal trainer instructor. I went, good for you. And I went, how much do you earn a year, if you don't mind me asking? He went, 60 grand. I went, 60,000 pounds. He went, yeah, I'm good at it. Clients love me. They love chatting to me. And, um, you know, I've, I've got a good work ethic. No, no, one's, no one's forcing them. He's obviously doing a good job. And he's, he's offering doing, his customers value for money. He's doing a great job. And you know what? He's got no debt. And he, and, and he, goes, and he goes, all my mates went to university. They've got sixty thousand pounds in debt, and they're making twenty five thousand pounds a year working in Starbucks or whatever. Mugs. And Mugs. and you just think, wow, Idiots. wow, this guy switched yeah, on. Some, the the video that that I did that got most views, like two hundred thousand views, nearly, was one that I did about intelligence because as a former teacher, I think we we do not understand intelligence or we misattribute intelligence to people who have got, uh, who, are, who are great repeater stations. All they've got is a good memory and they can just, they have no moral compulsion in spewing out other people's arguments and then passing them off as their own. And they're incapable of independent critical thinking. So That's it's no surprise to me that the, the repeater stations were the ones that got calmed. 100%. Whereas I know, um, you know, the people that I know who didn't get cons, you know, there was a, I can't remember what his name was now, he was 
one of the groundsmen at school. <clears throat> he like sort of straight through it. Uh, Scylla the Cleaner did. Uh, who else? These two brothers that I know that I used to play cricket with. Um, you know, they do um, used to do work related to golf courses and maybe tree surgery or whatever. These people, it's very easy for people who've got university degrees to like look down their noses at them. Like, if you're doing that, you're stupid because these people, they are inclined to ask questions. Yeah. They will want to try to work things out from first principles. They won't yeah. just accept. They don't do this uh, deferring to authority, you know, where they look up and it's like, oh, what does the person above me in the hierarchy say? Um, what do they want me to repeat? What part, and this is what, particularly GPs, they just follow these health protocols. Yeah. And they don't do any thinking for themselves. And they just, a lot of them, well, all of them are cowards in that they, must have known what they were doing was wrong. It made no sense, but they just they just kept on doing it because they were they were in love with their ego, with uh, their materialism, their status. Yeah. Uh, brand new Jaguar yeah. for doing the for injecting people. Um, I don't talk to. I used to. I went to school with this guy. Like, oh. I'll piss on him if he was on fire. To, to be honest. Well, so so listen. I think part of the but problem is he's got is... to live with himself. He's got to live with himself. He's got to live with himself, and the truth and, will come out. I know. I think. I think another thing we need to do is we need to stop people putting people on pedestals. And what I mean by that is whether it's doctors, celebrities, yeah, polit politicians, yeah. We need to. We we yeah. are the ones that put them on that pedestal. You know, we need to stop doing that. We need to stop doing that, and because it's a form of idol worshiping. <clears throat> yeah, you know, we need to stop worshiping these people. Of course, it is. Um, and and treat yeah. everyone as an equal. So I always say, there's no one above me, and there's no one below me. You know, I don't, I don't act yeah. like I'm better than anyone. Treat people as you I, find them. Yeah, and I don't act like I'm inferior to anyone. You know, and and you may have noticed a recent podcast no. I've done, and I'm not going to name names, but I came to him as an equal, and he did not like to. that. <laughs> He didn't like that. No. He he found that very no. insulting. He wanted me to fawn over him. He wanted me to be a sycophant. And I and I didn't do that. He wanted and you. Let's Ahmed, let's get this right. He wanted you to obediently repeat his lies. He wanted you to repeat two plus two equals five. He wanted you to repeat things that were blatantly untrue. Like fuck sorry, I'm not gonna swear. Frack, Screw frack. you. Frank, Screw Frank. you! I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I remember another time I had a, it was another football injury, like a cartilage injury. I went. I, I tried to go through the NHS, and because I could still walk, could still run, it's a little problem if I change direction quickly with studs on and stuff like that. A little bit of cartilage needed shaving off. So I went and saw this. Uh, finally, get into the system after waiting ages. Turn up at Croydon Mayday Hospital. And uh, I thought, oh, I was just going to go and see him. I talk to the geezer, have a chat. And I'm treated like uh, the brown stuff that that dogs do. You know, he's, he's seeing all his private patients and he's just treating me offhand, like leaving me waiting. So guess what I did? Just stood up and left. <laughs> Screw you. I'm not, I'm not having, I'm not having you like 
trying to control me or like treating me Great. like dirt. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not having that. Good. I don't care. I don't care. I'll say things to people. Um, I don't care. I'll speak the truth. I love if it. That hurts them or whatever. I don't care. Just speak the truth. Amen to that. Right. Final I found question, a lot my of friend. Doctors like that. I found a lot of doctors like that. A lot of doctors like that. Some of them were very good, but a lot of them. I remember another time, some guy trying to get me onto statins. He was like some locum. And all the way through the consultation, guess what he was doing? And I'm not joking. He was fiddling with his Porsche car keys, which were out on the table in front of both of us. It's like. Ah, uh, listen. Again, his, his intention achieved the exact opposite. I just went out there thinking, "You are a you." Okay. Like, no. So so. Sorry, mate. So so. <laughs> I've talked about this, mate. I've talked about how our my profession. I'm really embarrassed by the degree of arrogance, professional hubris, um, gaslighting, and and it's wrong. And yeah. the fact we've all we've forgotten our medical ethics, or we never had them in the first place. And um, yeah. it's it's a real shame. It's a real shame. And um, maybe that's why I'm not a surgeon anymore. Maybe that's why I'm not a doctor anymore, because I actually just yeah. don't belong. I just don't belong it's there. It's the same in teaching. Diff different problems, but same in teaching. I don't belong I there. I don't go back and work in a, in a private yeah. school, even, let alone a state one. Yeah, not I just can't, ident I can't identify with it anymore. I, I just really can't. And... No. It is what it is, my friend. You know, we can't change these things, but I like the fact that you've got... Well, on a positive note, what we can do, I'm continuing to teach through through YouTube. You're doing your podcasts, spreading yeah, yeah, yeah. the truth. So, and I love it. We, yeah. I love it. So listen, final yeah. question is, you're on your deathbed and you're going to be... You've lived yeah. a long, long life. Before you pass on and meet your maker, what advice, health or otherwise, would you give your family and loved ones? Three words. Speak the truth. Man, I'm sure you're going to add to that, though. I can't stop recording there. <laughs> well, okay. Okay, let's, let's give some examples. So <clears throat> if you're a doctor, say, and somebody's talking about a deadly pandemic, I remember this GP. When, when the, when, when the um, people's pantomime started in March 2020, I... I I actually phoned this guy up. He goes, oh, don't worry. It's like, it's a coronavirus, you know. It's like, it's what we call a common cold, that and rhinovirus. Don't worry about it. If it happens, I'll just have a bit of time off, you know. I won't, I'm, I'm not worried about catching it. Mm. Uh, so I said to him, what about masks? He says, ah, oh, no, waste of time, useless. Uh, do more harm than good. Right, so then, of course, he gets the, uh, the edicts from above. And he's, he changes his position. He refuses to speak the truth to this day. Mm. So I asked him about when the, when the injections first came around, how can these have been tested properly? Mm. So the correct answer is to speak the truth. Well, no, they haven't been tested properly. Yeah. So, yeah, I think speak the truth to people. Like it, in relationships, don't tell people things that, they want to that you think that they want to hear tell them the truth have integrity 
Yeah. Look, another thing, know? linking, I've talked a bit about free market economics, yeah? Yeah. You've got trades between people who've voluntarily entered into those trades. Tr can you see how trust is essential? Yeah. If you don't trust somebody, you are not going to enter into an exchange with that person. No. So trust is an important, a very, very important cultural asset that affects material prosperity, let alone yeah. non-material prosperity. Finland's a great example of, of a high-trust society. So things work here. It's not an accident. Like, for example, if, uh, if I get somebody around, I've had new heating systems uh, put in here and various things done. Every single time I've had somebody in, there's been a quote. And then when the bill comes, guess what, Armin? It's, it's the right table price. It's less. No, it's less. It's oh, been wow. Less. Wow. People take great pride in speaking the truth. Especially like where I am in Pori, you know, there's a bit of a, you know, we can be known as being a little bit forthright and abrupt or whatever, but I'd much rather have that. Someone yeah. doesn't like you, just like explain why they don't like you and then you can have a chat about it and get it out in the open. Things don't fester. Speak the truth. That's what I would I say. That. Don't, don't, um, and then the other thing as well is, you know how you get talking about, you know, the, the various consultants that I saw through sporting injuries and stuff. Some of them are, they're, um, a bull thingy-majigs. They just like make false claims, big their own egos up. They're not telling the truth. They live, their, their whole identity is a lie. 100%. Same as the social justice people who think that they're, really but, great people who care about human rights. They're not yeah. speaking the truth because that's not what they really think. Can I quickly say something, Nigel? So the problem is definitely one, Sorry. people not, not speaking the truth. And the example you give of consultants and doctors not, not really explaining things properly to their patients and being honest with them. Unfortunately, it also yeah. goes the other way around. We've got people, we've got, for example, patients who who are enamored and impressed by the liars and the fakers. They're impressed by the guy who's got the Porsche keys. Oh, he must be a really good doctor. Yeah. They're impressed yeah, by yeah. the confidence and the ego. And they, they don't actually do any critical thinking. And they don't realize that what they're doing is a form of idol worshiping. You shouldn't have these idols that you worship. Do you know what? Just stop that. Stand tall in your own yeah, yeah. presence. Be proud of yeah, yourself, yeah, yeah. Yeah, love yeah. yourself, well, you, respect yeah, yourself, you, respect yourself. Yeah. Well, that comes from speaking the truth, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> if you know that you've, you're not trying to pull the wool over people's eyes and, and your word counts for something and your promise, if you make promises, they count for something. Finns are really big on that. You know, their word like really matters. They say they're going to do something. They do it. But I, I encountered the opposite. You know, I encountered bad things going on in teaching. It's not just medicine. You know, you'd have teachers at parents' evening, and the student might be like tossing it off, not working hard enough, and the parents would say, "Oh, she needs to get like 
two A's and a B to get into Durham to read, blah, 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 blah. Uh, will she get it? And you know what a lot of character teachers say? Oh, yeah, it's all fine. It's all fine. Blah, blah. Get the, get the, the parent out of the room. Whereas the moral course of yes. is to speak the truth. Yeah. 100%. So can you see what I'm saying? You know, speak the truth might not sound particularly profound, but if you actually deep, deep, dig deep down, it's probably the most important thing. Love it. Listen, Nigel, thank Absolutely you so much for spending. Yeah. You're thank welcome, you for spending buddy. so much time. You, you know, I really enjoyed this conversation. You're a good egg. You really are a good egg. And, um, no, I'll and, point and everyone. We, we've spoken, we've spoken off air, haven't we? And, yeah. yeah. You're a good egg, man. And we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch. <laughs> if, I, if I'm ever in yeah. Finland, I'll, I'll find you. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, for sure. God bless. Yeah, well, if I come to England, I'll, t- I'll t- you know, tell you where I am. And yeah, you want yeah. a coffee? Swing by my place. I've got great coffee. I've got great coffee. Okay. Okay. That's enough. All right, buddy. Thanks. All right.